Welcome to Serially Hook Star Wars. We're your hookers, Chris and Rashad. And today, we love you more than anything you could ever do wrong. Today, we'll be talking about the season finale of Andor. And next week, we'll also be talking about another weekly hook. Um, Surprise to me what the topic will be, but I'm excited to hear about it. Next weekend, I don't think we have anything coming to you, but stay tuned for whatever is coming down the pipeline and to get the, every single latest episode of ours, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And I guess I don't have anything else. So with that, you can kill us or take us in. So... This is is the season finale of Andor. What are your what what are you how are you feeling right now? I mean, is there anything else to say about the show other than the, other than that it's a masterpiece? There's just nothing. It's just <laughs> f- phenomenal. It doesn't let us down at any time, and I'm just like, wow, 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 wow. This show is amazing. I just can't stop praising it because there's nothing. It's just so good. It's just so good. <laughs> like. Everything is so great about this episode and this show and, you know, thinking about the season as a whole a little bit now, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but it's just, I feel like a proud parent who just, their child has done something, has (laughs) saved like the world from something. And I'm just like, I could not, I could not be happier or prouder about what we've seen on TV. (laughs) Well, I will have to slightly disagree with you here. I'm not sure I th- this episode did it for me. Uh, it was good. I think just in terms of the overall quality of this show, it fell off a little bit. I found it a little bit underwhelming. Um, yeah, but we'll we'll get into this later. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's it just kind of fell off for me. I don't know why. Uh, well, because I mean, you have no heart why. and soul. Or, <laughs> I mean, as we've clearly established in the year and a half we've done Serially Hooked so far, I clearly, clearly don't have that. So that might that might just be it. Well, I think actually I kind of felt somewhat, not similar, but I felt like it wasn't one of the strongest episodes until I rewatched mm. it the second and the third time. And <laughs> after rewatch, it just... It just screams so much. It's just so much details into so many things with the beautiful set piece that, um, and just the masterpiece of being able to have so many characters in a room and having you feel like you can still keep up with everything and where everything's in place. And it is just, uh, I just found it absolutely phenomenal, full of action and emotion. And there is one scene that I will refer to later that is, is, oh, but literally everything else is absolutely incredible. I think I love how they weaved in this story of this younger, this boy of this one worker who's in the background of the first episode, seemingly nameless, mm. and his actions end up coming to clear, clear consequence and what that talks about. The cycle of evil of the Empire and all these things that also reflect into what we get with back with Nemec's manifesto, which comes back in this episode. I yes. mean, we even see the flashbacks of Clem again and like how emotionally incredible Clem's arc is in this show. We don't even see him alive throughout the timeline of this show, but through flashbacks and the effect that he has on Cassian and the other characters around him, absolutely incredible. Like that, like minute for minute or second for second, probably the most emotional character of this show. 
obviously B. B is like, if you freaking touch B. So the moment where Brasso <laughs> comes in and like whoops on the guy who pushes yeah. B to the side and he starts screaming, here I am in my real life just screaming back at him like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> like it is so good. And then obviously like I love the the whole season build up to Anto Krieger being a, uh, a white herring and just being like, nope. That's not a thing. We're never going to see Anto Krieger. Kind of a side joke. I just, I love how that was like, ah, it's just like, I love this episode so much. Also, screw Nurchi. He died. He deserved what he got. Nurchi's the guy who snitched on Cassian and yeah, yeah. decided to take the payment. You suck. You, you know, <laughs> stitches. What? What is it? Snitches get stitches? Snitch no. Get stitches, snitches yeah. get fucking blown up by a grenade. Screw you. You don't even deserve someone's uh, like stabbing or whatever the fuck. Sinta, a badass. Stormtrooper is actually scary for the first time. Anvil Man, just so cool. Like, what? He just, the thing is, what's great about this show is the economy of character development and how much they're able to put into every single side character. And as as Tony Gilroy says, when he writes a, a show, there are no small parts. Every single person is thought out here. And I just found this show to be the culmination of all of that. And yes, it's not the same high as the a couple episodes ago with the uh, prison break and Luthen's speech, or even as beautifully visually vibrant as um, the eye. But it is gorgeous, and I think it is also it builds momentum in a way that is really affecting the second half of this sh- this episode. Just flies by so quickly after the first half sort of sets things into motion. Finally, it is. I there's yeah it's just such a and it has so many great quotes as well in this show it's like it's it picks up on this show's ability to create chants like stone and sky stone and sky I'm just like all up in that like funeral sequence I love the march I love Marva's speech I love like and then the Mon stuff is still cool we keep cutting back to Mon and it just is so good her, her conversation with her oh man just like okay we're gonna talk about all these specific scenes but. I mean, yeah, I just this show, this episode, I think, was a fitting um, ending to a great season of television. I mean, <laughs> we already we already gave our initial impressions. I understand why you are this enthusiastic about it. Um, I, maybe I just went into this with slightly different expectations or something. I don't know. Okay, so what were your expectations? But, uh, let's let's break this down. What were your expectations? No, because just because you just said that how great I I agree that this was a great uh, like this was a good wrap up, but I expected something bigger. I felt like they didn't really know what to do with a lot of the characters who were all there, but they didn't really do much, and uh, you know. I think Cyril and Deirdre and uh, Luthen and Cinta and Vel, they're all there. And it's all because of uh, Cassian, basically. And they are all there and we see them, but they don't really do that much. And yes, Cynthia is a badass and Cyril saves Deirdre, which is which I I'm not sure how I feel about this, but... I don't know. It's just like, yeah, okay, they're here too, but I felt like they didn't really know what I. Th- I thought it was was going to be more grand, maybe. Even though I have to say, obviously, the the funeral procession is epic, and the 
it's already the the banging on onto the metal from the watchtower is already iconic Star Wars lore in my mind. All of that was and the speech and everything was Star Wars at its best visually as well with all the earthen tones. Love that. One of the best sequences in Star Wars history. Uh, I'm not going to undermine that, but the rest of the episode was just like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, sure. So I just I just felt a little bit less you're you're running hot and I'm more lukewarm about things, maybe. Well, I think actually I completely disagree with you in terms of they didn't know what to do with the characters. I think they knew exactly what to do with every single character. And they've because they've teased their specific character profiles through the entire season and how they lead to something that happens. Um, the only exception to that in my mind is Luthen. Why is Luthen there particularly as opposed to using or letting Vel be the one to kind of just report to him? That's the only confusing thing. Why is he there? Every single thing, everything else I think is really done to affection or to effectively. Um, for example, when Cyril goes to rescue Miro, the scene after is, in my mind, the worst scene of this episode. But not in the sense that it didn't make sense or not in the sense that it is a bad scene, but it is just cringy as. Oh, it was just like so freaking cringy when Miro and Cyril are looking at each other in that way. I'm so glad they didn't actually kiss because i don't think they have a i don't think they're capable of romantic relationship i think it is this weird psychologically twisted relationship between the two of them but um the fact that serial is there is a consequence of his um, meticulousness his his single-mindedness his his like uh, his single his drive to move forward in every single way and then as soon as major miro or Deidre's shows up he immediately focuses his attention onto her as he has been in the past he's he's identified the fact that he has been watching her even in, in coruscant following her in different occasions and it's his because of his ability to follow her that leads to him to specifically be there when she needs his, someone to save her so i think there something like that is a one example of how character traits that have been consistent throughout the entire season and have developed in small ancillary ways come together to formulate a single action and a reason for being there and what they end up doing and and the consequence of what they're you know acting on in this specific scene or in this specific episode so i i not kind of disagree i wholeheartedly disagree in terms of the fact that they didn't do much still but they did still did something and were there for a specific reason uh, i think is indicative of what i was talking about with the economy of their use of characters because they have so many characters there's only so much you can do when you're focusing specifically on casting and his journey and his ability to you know go back between and everything and i love the sequence when as they're marching up and i guess we'll talk about this more later but the march sequence as they're kind of marching up the it's really it's drowned out by this beautiful music and you get different perspectives of people looking at people and Others identifying the significant actors who are involved and the way that their faces go about um, realizing what actions have to be taken or what's going to happen because of the individuals uh, that are present there. Because you get in that moment the realization of who is on the table and you start to see that the other characters are starting to realize that their counterparts are on the table as well. So I think this is – I just found this – I, I was like – oh. I found it so good as as a finale. I mean, yeah, I, absolutely. I think there was a slight misunderstanding here. I think in terms of character economy, this is amazing. It's just 
did we really need Valencenter here? I'm not sure. Uh, I feel like I'm raining on your parade constantly now. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just... But I think we did. So I think we did need Valencenter there. Valencenter are more crucial than Luthen in this scene. In yeah, the sense absolutely. that Sinta's been there the whole time and she has a specific purpose for being there. And she knows that she's been um, spotted by the um, Imperial spy who's also there. So she ends up having to kill him. She knows that going when she walks into and leads him to follow. But she's walking into the alley in that way. Um, Vel has to be here not only to close or to continue their emotional arc throughout the, their, the season, which has been a constant back and forth between them, but also as the direct contact between Sinta and Luthen. Sinta doesn't know Luthen. Sinta doesn't communicate with them. It is it is Vel is through Vel that there is a communication chamber. So I think that those two specific characters have to be there in terms of the, I mean, if they weren't there, then it changes obviously the entire direction and also changes the the chemistry between Luthen and trying him trying to, you know, tie up loose ends with Cassian. Yeah, again, I don't disagree. <laughs> um, should we get into our scenes? Absolutely not. Hold on. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, okay, so I have to count. I have to like um, shout out a few uh, quotes from this, and I think that there before we get into our scenes because we get a call back to Nemec's manifesto, and we finally get to actually hear some of the words of the mm. manifesto itself. When he is talking about, he when he says, "quote Freedom is a pure idea, and that it occurs spontaneously," and also on, uh, to convert uh, in, in in converse to that, I don't know what the word to say. In opposition to that, tyranny requires constant effort, and that op- oppression is the mask of fear. These beautiful ideas about freedom and rebellion and and tyranny and empire and how they juxtapose with one another, I just found that to be absolutely. It's just this game play, this show playing a different ball game than every single other television show that is so specifically focused on the the characters and what's going on. And at their best, they create great characters and great nuance. But this show is is playing at a philosophical level that transcends what we normally expect from television. And I think it is absolutely incredible to just sit back and think about those words and think about how when he says, remember this try and that is a that is a message that all of us should take back and take home and think about um existentially about our own purpose in life and what we want to do and nemec's words from the moment we initially heard him speak on aldani we knew that his words had had significance and would weigh heavy on our minds moving forward and the fact that not only are those words beautiful their impact on cassian and their impact on us as how as as we see the consequences of what the actually the empire is, I've just found this. It's a it's an amazing call to something greater than a television show, and I think that it is incredible to just weave that into this uh, episode so beautifully. I mean, absolutely, it's uh, my number four moment. So, <laughs> got it, got it. All right. Um, so, I guess I I guess fine. We'll go into our scenes because I'm afraid of adding more quotes <laughs> don't that are to. from your we scenes. Don't have no, to. it's fine. I guess we talked about your number four. You want to talk about your number four? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just did a minute long monologue. I think it's it was just great to finally hear it. And to, I didn't expect this to come back at us, but of course we had seen it. You know, Vel gives it to Cassian, 
when when they uh you know when their paths uh i don't know when when they when when Cassian leaves and it's great to hear him talk like narrate his own manifesto obviously he's dead but um and also the way it's written you you were going into the uh, different ideas which i think yeah are very thought provoking for everyone and i love this sort of metafiction of like fiction with or like like a piece of work and a piece of work and just also the way it is written directly addressing the reader or here obviously the audience in general um i thought was incredibly affecting didn't expect it to come back but obviously when else would it come back if not with a season finale when Cassian actually does things at home again when we see the seeds of rebellion starting to for the first time on Ferex really take root and it's just yeah that that was a great moment for me um yeah what's your number four my number four is Brasso and Cassian talking under the sewers um, when Brasso recounts to Cassian Marva's last words and his mm-hmm. love. And when she says to him, or she recounts that he says that uh, she says that he will, she will love um, him more than anything he could do ever do wrong. And how he, she says he knows everything he needs to know and feels everything he needs to feel. And he will be an unstoppable force for good. What an incredible way to just convey last words and emotion. And, you know, you could see that this means so much to Cassian. And I just found it uh, just a beautiful thing. And no no better person in this uh, episode to convey it than Brasso, who is climbing up my ladder of Star Wars characters <laughs> that I love because he is an absolute MVP. And if he would have died in this episode, which I was fully expecting, I would have been extremely sad. Yeah. Yeah, Brasso, I one of my notes literally is Brasso is an MVP friend, <laughs> and he's amazing. Uh, and this is every actually my number three as well because I think just emotionally very impactful. The way that obviously we see Marva talking from the dead more than once this episode, and just the way she anticipates everything that Cassian would be saying is amazing and the way that Brasso recounts is like yeah she says that everything and you can really it's like she's there you can feel the bond between those three characters there Cassian Marva and Brasso and it's incredibly well written incredibly well acted so so that that was my number three what was yours my number three was um, Mana and her husband talking in the car that's my number two perfect <laughs> we're just on a roll <laughs> yeah we really are take it away i mean wow i mean first of all i mean mon playing mind games upon mind games upon mind games over everyone which is absolutely mm-hmm. incredible and not only that her performance and her ability to convey that she knows actually that she's being listened to and everything and her husband just clueless in this way but also the risk that she's starting to take in this scene where we start to see she started to make sacrifices in her own personal life and this is the first domino to fall and i'm sure it's gonna have further consequences moving forward yeah and we i was a little bit surprised to see that they go through with the um the making the taking the money from the uh from the banker or whatever it was not a bank banker but you know the shifty guy 
as well with the you know with obviously mon's daughter later on uh that's what that signified um i was kind of sad to see that still but um yeah just mon also just mvp of the rebellion she's just so good and it's just you can just see how taxing it is to always think of all the different levels of all of the different you know people that might be listening and what your the meaning of your words on different just it's just incredible and yeah i, w- I was just la- i was just like smiling the entire time just listening to her knowing that she fully expects the the driver to listen in and we do see him later on reporting to one of the isb officers and yeah just really well played she really uses her husband but she doesn't seem to have a great affection for him at least not directly i'm sure if something was to happen to him she would be um still very hurt by it but um you know as it is she doesn't really mind using him that way and it's just not more than three-dimensional chess more dimensions than that even for mon mothma here yeah what an incredible scene even from the little detail of her kind of having her chest strap kind of open normally you never see anything revealed but in this case she has her chest strap of her garb open and it's a sense of vulnerability kind of like or her opening up and kind of feeling a little bit weaker in a way. So it's just the visual cues of the sequence kind of really, if you start to delve deep into it, it's just a beautiful, um, you know, depth to, to a scene that is, uh, yeah, just incredible. It's hard to really describe in terms of how good it is. Yeah. And it's again, one of these great, we've, we've got one of these great callbacks throughout this season. We've seen this built up the danger of the empire closing in on her finances and basically just using the fact that she's spied on to to help with that and it's just incredible but what's your number two uh my number two is the march scene leading up to marva's uh, speech uh, okay you're you're separating them yeah, so that last sequence, I mean, the three sequences are kind of separate. So the March, Marva's speech, and then kind of what happens after. Kind of all yeah. three different things. I just did one whole thing. <laughs> uh, you were like, the whole set piece of Ferex? <laughs> of course, of course. Okay, all right. Um, no, I, I separated them. So my number two is that March sequence. Um, you mentioned the muted earth tones, but the beautiful colors that underlay that, as well as the camera pans upwards, even from the first shot with the, uh, camera through the circular doors facing as the people start to con- uh, con- um, convert together and march the way the music is very solemn at the beginning but starts to move up and it it is it's incredible because of what i mentioned in terms of the way that when it cuts away from the march it's it's focusing specifically on close-up shots of people's faces and how they are starting to observe things from different perspectives and it different characters start to realize things so um andor realizes that um luthan is there luthan realizes that miro's there and and cyril realizes that miro's there as well and all these different factors are starting to converge and think about things and you can see them processing the actions that they have to take and obviously you know miro comes out with her two troopers and they're going up and it's they start to go up before marva speeches but 
I think it's just incredible. And when the when there's there's a there's a point in the march where the music turns and it's just beautiful music, obviously. So the music turns and it start this starts to pick up. And as 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 they come onto Rick's Road proper, moving away from the side streets, and as they move up, it's just the swell of emotion and momentum. You can feel it. And I'm just like sitting on my like chair and just like, you know, cheering for them to go. And just like the 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 not only are they resolute in what they are doing every single person in that uh um march but you can see their their stoicness on their faces and what they they know the the consequences of their actions and they're there anyways and all for one character who we have grown to like marva and all the consequences that come after that it is and when Brasso and B are leading it and they're starting to face up against the empire walking up what looks like directly in opposition to them Wow, I just thought to myself, it was so it was it was bone chilling how incredible it was, and them coming up to face the empire head on. And I, I thought to myself, is this the first real conflict of the empire that we're seeing, or we're gonna see? And if so, this is this is it. I mean, just, it was absolutely incredible. So yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think the build up is just spectacular. Here we have, you know, we know that there is a, something coming, um, but just when you know the music musicians start tuning their instruments and people are just walking about and eventually we just it just starts and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on and it's so slow and so dragged out and i love that uh, it's just a, a real funeral proce uh, procession and i loved as well all of the shots from above uh, especially, obviously, when the two groups uh, meet at the intersection and just go again. And the shot of, or rather the shots of Brasso and especially B just going through the ranks, through the people. Especially from, you know, with B, just you see, <laughs> you just see the legs of the people and B just going forward. He's so cute. <laughs> yeah, incredibly affecting, I thought. With the stone, obviously, held by Brasso and the build-up. And you don't know what's... You know, obviously, we see the determination of everybody on everyone's faces. And um, we kind of have a feeling of what's going to come next. And, like, narratively speaking, also what has to happen, more or less. But still, the build-up for that is great. It's... It's a great send-off in and of itself for Marva as a character, but also just narratively speaking as a build-up to the confrontation because obviously the Empire is shutting down the road and they just halt there and you know do what they're doing next, which I assume is your number one. Yeah, my number one is Marva's speech. Yes. And please, I'm sure you either have a monologue prepared or you're just going to think of one. <laughs> so please take the floor. I mean, hey, none of my monologues are prepared. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, Marva, let me get into it a little bit. So I just found this absolutely, it's just, it's not as spectacular line for line as Luthen's speech or um, Kino Loy's speech, all of these amazing speeches we've had this season. but. It just filled with so much emotion and reflection and a depth of Ferex that 
is somewhat or not somewhat entirely underexplored when it comes to other Star Wars shows and movies and things we don't under really get the 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 small references to how they name the stones and they name the the previous people who have fallen and that this kind of speech is a tradition and having the honor of this moment for her and all that this means it shows that they really thought through every single aspect of this world, which is super, super commendable. And also on that, you get you get all these people and their reaction to it, right? The the kid who ends up throwing... Oh, I, sh- I normally try to write down these names, but I can't remember the name. The kid who ends up throwing the bomb, like the way his face is, is just tearing up in this moment. Luthen realizing that this is bigger than he ever thought in this when he's staring down at Mara's speech. Cassian pausing for a moment on his conquest or on his quest to kind of just take it all in for a second. Bix inside of her interrogation room kind of getting getting this all in and, and, and soaking it up in her broken state. Every single character is impacted significantly by Marva. And the way that she reflects upon this, I think is just such a human moment in a way that it, it's it's such a strange position to be in, you know, giving a speech actively before your death. And I think that that irregularity or that odd, the oddity of it is is reflected specifically in how the speech is written. And it is just pure raw emotion from beginning to end, whether that be regrets or sadness or motivation or anger, and, and then transforms from one to the other. So it was just a completely affecting speech. And it's not something that I feel like I have to quote every time, all the time, but it is it when she says that there is a wound that won't heal at the center of the galaxy and that the empire is a disease that thrives on darkness. It's, it it is, it's so poignant to what we want the empire to be conveyed as. And it's so much in the past has not been conveyed that way outside of basically just Darth Vader. And it is, yeah, it's it's really, you know, we can see the impact of how it happens on a day-to-day basis. And this is the culmination, the emotional culmination. And you can argue that a couple episodes ago was really the, you know, consequential big act rebellion movements culmination, big set pieces culmination of the of the season. But in this moment, you really get the emotional highs of uh, a beautiful character and, and her entire life. Yeah, I think that that was... I mean, for me, obviously, this is also my number one. Uh, this entire thing, and the the but the speech particularly, I think. Yeah, you mentioned Luthen. I think that is that was a great moment where he just realizes, oh, this is happening, and she gives a speech, and I didn't really have much to do with this. <laughs> so all of, for all of his scheming, it's not like the entire galaxy depends on him to have you know have him rouse them you have people just doing it grassroots style i suppose and the speech itself was incredible the you mentioned the metaphors of the empire i loved how she goes into how the empire was just encroaching and just like yeah at first they came and then they left again and they left us alone and we still have i think also the sense of community was a great thing to go into like yeah we could bear this because we still had each other and but it's not about having to endure something and now we have to fight back and i wish i had done it when i was still alive and all of these things just so great Uh, such a rousing speech and obviously what happens afterwards um i i don't know i think some people would roll their eyes at it but i thought it was like nicely poetic 
that Brasso uses the stone that was made from her ashes uh, to, you know, start the uprising by hitting the uh, the officer in, in, and uh, after he throws over B. Because how fucking dare he? And but yeah, the speech was incredible. It ties everything back together because you know we ha- we know Marva, we know what she meant to Cassian and the entire community. You we see all of the different indiv- individuals in the crowd, which I thought was a really nice touch. And yeah, it goes back to great character economy as well. All of these people that we've seen before, some like Brasso more often, but others like uh the guy who owns the like sort of scrapyard with the dogs who i think is the same actor who plays jamie tar's dad yeah it really Uh, it really threw me for a loop because i wasn't supposed (laughs) to like him (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly and um all of and obviously you know the kid whose father we saw die earlier and yeah it's just it's just incredible the build-up of of all of this thing and then the resolution and it is it is really as soon as brasso hits the guy it's like yeah it, it, there is some sort of release of tension and then obviously it also happens on screen because that's when shit really starts to go down and we see the start of a revolt on ferrix i love it the whole thing incredible and just what a way to end a great season in my mind and um uh, yeah, I just I have I have nothing to say except uh, about the very end uh, when um, Cassian drops off everyone and he talks to mm. B and he tells B he should have spent more time with B. Just a little side note: you should like yeah. do a, at least a couple extra nuzzles or whatever it is that B wants, uh, or take him with you because B is is the best thing to ever happen. The best. Yeah. And when he says to him, "I'm counting on you," and B retorts, "You always say that," and Cassian says, "You yeah. always come through." I'm like. Oh, it's so cute. B is amazing. Yeah. I love him. B is so good. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, and I don't know the very, very. I mean, again, not to rain on your parade, but uh, the very end of it, I'm like, yeah, okay. He gets everybody he likes into one ship and gets them away. Okay, fine. But then he goes to Luthen and is like, yeah, you can shoot me if you want. He's like, we know you're going to survive. Like, and I feel like it was set up to be this great cliffhanger. I mean, we also know that there's a second season and everything, and then there is a uh, a movie afterwards, and we know how he's actually going to die. Spoiler alert. But, you know, I don't know. That was something also that threw me off a little bit. But all in all, a really good wrap-up of this season of Andor, and we should probably talk about this as a whole now. No, hold on. And- Before you do that, <laughs> no, I just, I just want to take a, you know, I take umbrage with one thing that you said. I don't think that oh, yeah. that's the point. I don't think it was supposed to be a cliffhanger. I think the whole point of that is it's the culmination of Cassian actively wanting to become a part of the rebellion. This is his mm. moment. This is how Nemex, uh, this is how the journey of his f- entire first ex- six episodes on Aldani. And in, in Narkina Five, when in Narkina Five, he realizes that the Empire is everywhere. You can never escape them. He's actually realizing what Marva was saying, and the only way you can do it is in, their, in your mind. And that they are going to be—they're completely ruthless and r- r- are unforgiving. He realizes the fact that none of the prisoners are ever going to get out. And Aldani, he comes into contact, obviously, with these idealistic rebels, and also Skeen. Fuck Skeen. 
side note, um, and also <laughs> uh, acquires Nemec's manifesto. And it is through these two culmination, these two halves of his journey through the season that all lead to this moment. I don't think at all that this was supposed to be a, a cliffhanger. I think instead it was supposed to be a demonstrative of Andor finally taking action and choosing a side for the first time. And we get mentioned so many times in this season about choosing a side, choosing right versus wrong, fighting the empire, making this active decision. And Cassian really just things happen to him, right? He, he, oh my God. Okay. He, yeah. What is the, how does his journey go through this season? It starts with him, you know, talking to it. I guess I don't, I don't want to get too much into the whole season talk, but I think that what, I, what I'm trying to say here is that that moment in and of itself is Cassian's first time really in this episode, in this season, making a choice, not running away, not waiting for something to happen to him, but instead um, taking agency in his own life and in the way that is, you know, Marvel wanted for him and for him to choose the rebellion. And I thought that was an incredible um, culmination or an exclamation mark to a great journey through the season. Yeah, and I think metaphorically he does die here. Like the his life until this point that has been very different uh, from what he is becoming, what he is in the process of becoming, and how we how we know him to be later on. Uh, all of this ends here, so I think you know metaphorically he dies, or rather, like I guess he transforms. But um, if you want to still go with that. It does kind of happen, but I still think, I mean, yes, it's not a cliffhanger per, per se, but I still think the way it was shot and everything, I was like, yeah, oh, is he going to kill him? Um, I think that was still there. Maybe I, like, you know, overestimate, like, over overstated the uh, the importance of that, but I think it's still still in, in there. But, I mean, he does put his life into Luthen's hand from this point on, and he does commit it to his cause, I suppose. So there is that. Um, but yeah, you would. You, we, we've talked about this already a few times today. And this has now been the first of two seasons of Andor. And what a season it has been. Um, a great season of television, per se. A great season of Star Wars, even more so. And I'm just, I mean, it's an amazing show. So, you know, obviously, but uh, what are your overall thoughts? It's great. I mean, there's nothing really I can add to that other than the <laughs> fact that it's a, an almost perfect television season. And because, I mean, I guess it's hard to ever make a perfect television season, but this is one a season of television I will always remember because it is that good. Yeah, I mean, it is as close to perfection as you can get, I think. And I mean, I don't watch as much television as you do, but it is... I never thought that there would be a contender for best Star Wars show uh, for Mandalorian. But I mean, it's right here. I mean, it's not and... even close. This show's better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um uh, and it's it's just more way more political and just more i don't know i f- i feel like you know mandalorian kind of it is still it, it for for the time it came out it was it was so interesting because it wasn't about the skywalkers and everything we knew about star wars but now with 
Cassian, we see how much further it can be removed and how much more overtly political it can be. And I think this is the definitely the best, I mean, definitely the best show just wholesale, but also the best show to introduce someone to, st to Star Wars with. Um, even though, like, depending on what you want, like, if you just want to get them interested in the world, this is the, obviously the best one. If, if you're, like, a lore geek, then maybe Mandalorian is better because it still goes to the it goes back way more it like it just it connects way better to the movies probably even though having said that there is also the uh, you know post credit scene which also connects this show to many many movies and it's uh i don't know it's it's just uh, yeah I, i think as you said you know what else is there to say than it is as close to perfect as it can get and I, I'm just going to rewatch this over and over again, and I can't wait for season two. I think this is well. What we want from Star Wars, in some ways, or any sort of large IP universe, is variety. And as for as great as Mandalorian was, the first couple of episodes were so different, and that was amazing. And then they had some super aha moments that just had super great highs, and you're just like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever! Yay! And that's a huge part of the mandalorian watching experience it is it is a safer bet because it is entwined within the larger star wars canon and that's that's a big thing that's amazing but this show is just so independent and different and that difference i mean whether or not you think of it as a star wars show it is just a great television show and that's all we have to say because it is just gorgeous it's just beautifully written beautifully shot has such great characters and story and all these beautiful themes that you can think of and really reflect on and something you can take back to a greater conversation that goes way beyond um, whatever you saw on the television screen. So I thought it's it's not popcorn television at all. This show is something to really think about and to really reflect on and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch. And every time you rewatch it, I've rewatched the show a couple times now and I'm doing a third rewatch. And it is every time you watch it is just so much more depth you get and so much more you learn about every character. And that's, it's just so phenomenal in a way. So yeah, this show is great. I don't want to, you know, I, I don't know how to belabor this any further. So I'll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think where Mandalorian was much more relying on pop culture archetypes, like the lone gunman and had a, still a lot of the star Wars style violence. This one really is, it just, It's just more, way more thought-provoking, and in my books, that is always better. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think yeah. So so as not to not belabor the point, uh, and going in circles. I mean, everybody who's listening to this has seen this show, hopefully. Uh, if not, stop. What are you doing? L watch the show immediately, uh, at least once probably um, many many more times and i don't know i'm just so happy that i didn't think it was going to be possible for one single show to get me out of the star wars hole that i was in being pretty uh pretty fed up with the the direction that star wars was going in and this one did it <laughs> uh what can i say it made miracles happen this show has changed everything It really has a game changer if uh, for real 
And um, I mean, what better closing statement is that? All right. And with that, if you enjoyed the show, uh, give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I guess with that, for Chris, I'm Rashad. Talk to you next time. Bye.